0: Listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. As Pastor Bill said, we're diving into a new series in the book of Philippians. So we're going to start uh, right at the beginning Philippians 1 1 through 8. Let's hear the word of the Lord as the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus this is God's word
1: good morning everybody i uh... I am really excited to begin this particular series on uh, Philippians this morning. Um, David and I—we uh, kind of landed on Philippians uh, a number of weeks ago, and we began to just really prayerfully like talk it through with one another, um, and really begin to believe that that God has some really relevant messages for us as a church. Uh, in particular, in this sort of season of transition that we're in. And so, uh, together, we sat down and we did a manuscript study of these four chapters. And as a result of our, our study together, we felt even more confident that God is really wanting to speak to Life Church and, and to speak to us uh, in a very relevant kind of way. And not only to us as a church, but also we believe there's some really Amazing things in these particular passages of scripture that are uh, possibly very relevant to all of us as individuals right now, right, right where we are, so even though this is a book written uh, a long time ago about fifty years after Jesus died um, to the folks at Philippi, um, this, is a, this is a real sort of Rama message for us right now in life church so i 'm going to ask you let 's open our hearts let 's really let our hearts and our minds be open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do as a work. Let's spend um, a good bit of our summer together in this book of Philippians. Uh, all the while that we are preparing for our transition to our new home over at 501 North Elmwood. Um, and in some ways perhaps a new model of church life together. As, we, as this is happening and as God is changing us and transitioning us, let's camp here in this particular book of Scripture and let's see what God might do in our hearts. I don't want you and I going to another facility or another location or changing the dynamics of how we do church or all those kinds of things just because we feel like a change. If you need that, change the furniture in your living room, okay? But let us, all right, change. Because I think the greatest way that we're going to be effective in changing as a, a church in the community is that we are changing every one of us by God's grace and we are being transformed. So with that, I I want us to look at this particular passage that David read for you this morning. And I would like to pull a few things out of here for you this morning and talk to you about what it really means to transition well, all right? And that's what this series is about. It's about doing transitions well. And uh, I know that's not the normal theme that you pick up. If you Google Philippians or you get into a study of Philippians, uh, pick up a commentary, start reading, uh, you're not going to hear the theme transitions. You're going to hear themes like joy. You're going to hear themes like suffering. You're going to hear themes like perseverance. You're going to hear themes like uh, participation. Partaking together, those kinds of things. All of those huge themes throughout the book. Um, but David and I are really feeling that this is a theme that God is speaking to us right now this idea of transitioning or making changes really well. All right? And I believe that that goes far beyond uh, what Life Church corporately is doing. I think it's a real message for many of you in your lives right now, right where you are. This is something that God is speaking to our hearts, okay? So, with that, and and with introducing this book of Philippians, I want to say to you that this could be maybe a really great journey for you, and maybe you can, uh, you know, I ask you to to bring a journal if you had one, or a notebook or something. This could be a really great opportunity for you to take about two and a half months or so, or three months, and, and see what God speaks to you and what God is doing in your own heart along the way, journaling it down. And at the end of the summer, look back and just see what God did for you over this period of time that we are in this book. When introducing the book of Philippians, uh, N.T. Wright, in his commentary, references an, uh, uh, a 16th century sailor. Uh, many of you would know him. His name is Sir Francis Drake. Uh, you probably studied him in, in world history uh, Drake sailed around the world, no small task in the mid 1500s by by any means. But uh, Wright quotes uh, Sir Francis Drake uh, as he speaks about prayer, and this is what Drake says: He says, "It is not the beginning, but the continuing of the same until it be thoroughly finished, that yieldeth the true glory." And with that quote, uh, Wright points out that. God himself is a finisher as well as a beginner, all right? So God is all the time beginning things. He's beginning things in our lives. He's beginning things in our lives corporately. But God is also about finishing. God is not just a startup, all right? God is not a flash in the pan. God doesn't just Get you started on things so that you can wander to the next start and the next start and the next start, never finishing. God is about finishing and even about finishing well. And so I believe that this is going to sort of be a part of the banner for us uh, as we go through this series. The, the, the particular work that God has begun and will finish We, I hope, realize through this series that this is a work of grace, all right? This is grace working out in our lives, and this grace works out through the gospel, all right? This isn't a message about, well, let's just be good to each other, let's give to each other, let's take care of each other, let's forgive each other, let's overlook each other's faults. And that's not what I'm talking about when I say that this is a work of grace. But this is a work of grace that is resting in the gospel. And you're going to hear those kinds of words often here throughout the book of Philippians. It's talking a lot about being in the gospel, about being in Jesus Christ, about being in a spirit of joy, about going through and being in stages of suffering. But the idea here is that God is at work. God has started something in our lives. So, verse 6 of this particular chapter, chapter 1, is going to kind of be our banner verse, if you will, for the whole series. That is, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to hold on to that. As we are moving forward, as we are transitioning as a body of believers, let's hold on to this idea that God has begun a good work in life, church. And the work that God has begun, He will bring to completion. He will bring to fullness in Jesus Christ. But I want you to, I want you to take it a step further. I want you to really begin to see that the work that God has begun in you is a work that God is going to bring. To completion god is not going to have you stop short god is not going to have you not be complete god is not going to have you not finish this good work that he has begun in you and i want you to be encouraged by that today i have talked to several people over the past couple of weeks and a number of times a certain theme has come up and this theme can sort of be encapsulated in just a few words and that is this I'm really tired, and if I weren't a Christian, I think I'd just give up. Well, that's, a, that's not a great way for Christians to feel, you know. That's not a battle that I want you fighting. That's not a struggle that I want you to have in, in such a way that you are robbed of your joy. You are depleted of your strength. You, your confidence and your ambition is taken away from you. I don't want you living a life feeling as though you are going to become a failure at some point. Or you're that person that Hebrews talks about that got cut off in the race and doesn't finish. I want for every person in Life Church to be a finisher. I want for every person in Life Church to fulfill the purposes of God in their lives. And so I want you and I to sort of kick this summer series off, if you will, understanding. How important it is, not only finishing, but finishing well. And and perhaps you already realize this, but there's a lot of time and space between beginnings and finishings. And that time, that space in life in between starts and finishes is the place of major transitions. There are transitions going on in our lives all the time. Over and over and over, we're being faced with various transitions and changes, calls to change. Demands are put upon us that change circumstances and situations, and they affect our lives, and they affect the lives of our loved ones and those around us. And let's be honest, everybody. When life church makes a significant change, like buying a building and remodeling it and making a move, that has a huge impact on every one of us. There's not a single person in life church that is not in some way impacted by the changes that are going on constantly within the church. And so I challenge you and I that we begin this series here by looking at how important it is not only to finish, but to finish well. To be able to know in your heart that as you're, as you're going down this path, as you're going down this road with God, and and you're doing the works that God has called you to do, that you're doing them good, and you're doing them well, and you're doing them faithfully. And listen, how well you transition is going to have a tremendous impact on how well and how good and how faithful you finish. If you can't get the transitions right, it's going to have a direct impact On the end outcome. And let me take you to a verse in Matthew. Chapter 25 beginning at verse 20. This tells us why this is so important. This is the the parable of the talent. You know it already. But let me rehearse it to you just briefly here. When he had received the five talents. The young man came forward. Bringing five talents more. Saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a little. I will set you over much. And we like that aspect of the story, don't we? If I'll just be faithful in a little thing, he'll give me more. He'll, he'll, he'll give me greater opportunity. But the next piece to this message is so vital. And it is a message that That moves us to a different level, I think. And this is some of what Paul is is hitting on in the book of Philippians. He says, you've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, he doesn't say enter into your own joy. He doesn't say just feel good. He doesn't say just be happy. He says, enter into the joy of your master. There, I, I told Pastor Dave this morning early, he was asking me, how do you feel about starting this series? And I said, I feel like that I could spend three years on this series. I feel like there's so much here. Just that one phrase right there, just, just I could bunny trail right now on a whole lot of different things. But here's what I want. Oh, I just saw so many smirks in this room like let let me interpret the smirk what's new pastor (laughs) you're absolutely right and i'm trying really hard this morning to guard myself and stay on task and stay on track here okay but but i want you to understand that there is something about pleasing the father there is something about the joy of the lord which is our strength and to be able to transition well is going to require a high level of strength and, and fortitude uh, and endurance and perseverance on our part because it takes a lot to transition. It, it, it ro- it's a robber if you're not doing it well, if you're not doing it right. It will rob you of energy. It will rob you of hope. It will rob you of focus. It will rob you of direction. It will take away your joy. It will pull the life out of you. And so here we are. Let's get into Philippians here And let's look at this first eight verses this morning. And let's talk here beginning with the idea of being in partnership, being partakers, all right? Um, We're beginning this series in a book that is full of joy. The word joy is used time and time and time again. Not only joy, but thanksgiving as well. And what is particularly interesting in this letter to the Philippians is that the Apostle Paul is writing from prison he is constantly talking about joy he is constantly championing joy and thanksgiving he's he's constantly seeing the good he's constantly recognizing what is best in the people and all of this is happening why while he is stuck in a prison cell and so all of this writing he is doing under the leading of the holy spirit but in a place of great adversity so i would like for us to see here what Paul was so thankful about as he wrote from this prison to these Christians in the city of Philippi. I, I mean, this is the first church that was established in, in Europe, all right? And, and uh, it, it's, it's in northern Greece. It was about, as I said, 50 years after Jesus died on the cross. And so there's a, there's a lot at stake in this little church. And this little church has been very faithful, faithful beyond what would seem logical for someone to be and and yet it has struggled with adversity and there're hints of division rising up here and there in the church. And so Paul is continually writing to them and on uh, 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 encouraging them, sending people to them, things like that. But here in this letter to the Philippians, he starts out by speaking about how he and and Timothy are together, and and he's writing to them, and immediately we are struck by an amazing fact here. Paul does not call himself an apostle. He calls himself a slave. Paul and Timothy seemingly here belong to, to one another in the sense that they are partakers together. They're in this work together as partners, if you will. And, and another interesting part to this sort of introduction here is that Paul writes not only to the Christians at Philippi, but he writes to the overseers, he writes to the deacons, he writes to the congregation. We see that, that this church has very biblical, very scriptural leadership going on, um, and it, it, it's a, a well-established church, it's a wonderful church. Um, the thing is, is that even in the midst of all the structure that is in place and and the soundness of the doctrine and 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 the the quality of the people and their willingness to give themselves to the gospel paul still writes to them encouraging them and 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 sort of challenging them to live at a certain level and that level is what i kind of want to talk about this morning and pull it out of these first eight verses here. I think that there are some major things here, three in particular, that I'd like to talk about this morning that really hit this idea of transitioning well. And if we can grab a hold of these, I think it will help us a whole lot, all right? In verse 3, Paul is, is, is telling these Christians that, that he thanks God whenever he thinks of them. When they come to mind, um, he, is, he is joy-filled. He's excited about them um and 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 he offers prayer on their behalf in fact his prayers he says are joyful because of these particular christians in philippi now don't forget where paul is we're reading a letter that we will continually need to remind ourselves is paul in prison all right because it's not going to sound like he's in prison he's not giving that hint so to speak very often in the letter and so For those of you, I just, here's a disclaimer. If you're one of those persons in the body of Christ who tends to run on a low-grade sense of, like, depression, or you are one of those people who just likes to look at the glass half empty rather than half full, if you're one of those people who sort of thinks critically and has a critical bent to your life, you're not going to enjoy this as much as I am, okay? I am in fun country, and I am generally one who looks to be joyful, and enjoys being joyful, I like it a lot, you know, to the point of being surfy, to the point of being cheesy, to the point of being probably ridiculous at times, I realize that, but that's where I land, all right, and so for me, this is going to get really exciting for someone who's in jail to be so happy, is amazing to me, and so I want to challenge you and I that we look at our own adversities. We look at our own places where we are struggling or where, where life is tough for us right now. And let's see what Paul can speak to us. And let's understand why Paul is so thankful for these particular Christians right here. Notice in verse 5 he says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He is thankful for this partnership for this sort of fellowship we would call it and if you look in a lot of the the commentaries you'll you'll find this word fellowship popping up here and there all right but but he's talking about how thankful he is for this partnership this fellowship in the gospel with him of all of these people in philippi and so there's this picture of this coming together this this partnering in the gospel if you will And it's a picture that they are in the fellowship of the gospel, all right? But here's what I want to try to parse out just a little bit for you. I I, I think that we have to look at this in a different way than maybe you and I have been told or been taught or have come to understand over the years, all right? First of all here, and this is the first thing that I want to bring to your attention today. Paul is thankful, all right? In these first five verses, he talks about how thankful he is and how much Uh, they mean to him all right what is he thankful for what is the? what are the, the determining factors here for his giving thanks one the first one i think is that paul is thankful for the fellowship for the partnership for the participation in the gospel all right and and that's found in verse five all right uh and and this is this is really really powerful words here he says because of your partnership In the gospel from the first day until now. All right? In other words, you haven't given up. You haven't quit. You haven't stalled. It hasn't died out in you. There is an ongoing work that has consistently kept its momentum. You are a church that just keeps going. You're you're a church that stays on top of this. But now, let me help you understand something here. Let's talk about this concept of fellowship. Because I think this word sometimes has been misused in our circles. Not only today, but in history, all right? Too often, people will call, and, and please don't misinterpret me here, okay? I am not about to go sour on fellowship as we know it. But I want to make some distinctions here, okay? Because I think too often, as God's people, we feel that we have this call to fellowship, and that's more like we have this call to potluck. All right? That's what fellowship is. Fellowship is getting together around some good food. It is, in a sense, all right? And we're not trying to take away from that. But I think what Paul is talking about here. When he says partnership and we go fellowship are two totally different things. And we've got to understand what Paul is giving thanks for here. He is not giving thanks for your ability to have a potluck. He is not giving thanks for crockpots. All right. He, he is giving thanks for something that runs much different deeper all right and 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 the greek word that that is frequently translated fellowship in the new testament is here translated partnership all right and some other i read the esv some other translations will will do it differently Um, other translations will read it participation in the gospel all right but notice what paul is saying here about this partnership this this participation this fellowship and what it truly is it is in the gospel in other words, it is in Jesus Christ. Our participation is in Christ, in the gospel, all right? According to Paul here, fellow, let's say what fellowship is not. Fellowship is not coffee. Oh, Doggone it. Fellowship is not having a barbecue in the front of the church building, okay? Now, when we make the transition and we go over to 501 North Elm Street and we pull out the big grill, and Pastor Dave and Roy are out there sweating in the summer sun, and they are barbecuing chicken breast on that grill, don't go, well, Pastor Bill said we can't have fellowship and grill in the front yard of the church. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a place for that, but there is something that God is trying to say to us as Life Church. If we are not careful, we're going to transition into greater fellowship because that's part of the motivation for us buying the building anyway, you didn't want to do two services, right? Okay, all right, I'm in agreement. I'm with you, okay? But that's that, the motive behind that sounds a lot like fellowship, all right? I heard some of you say things like, well, what will we do for life lunches? I don't know, but we'll do something. But Paul is saying partnership in the gospel is different than fellowship over potluck. And this is where we don't want to miss it. As we transition, we have to transition in the right way. And so going to 501 North Elmwood has to be far more than just we get to stay one service. What does God have in mind for us? Fellowship is our work in the gospel together. Partaking is our doing the gospel of Jesus Christ together. How are we going to spread the gospel into a larger neighborhood together as the body of Christ? And when we are doing that, we can fellowship and we can have potlucks and we can celebrate and we can do all kinds of things. But the key here is that primarily we are called to be partakers in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul has joy and gratefulness because of the Christians in Philippi because they have been working in the gospel with him. It's very important as a church that we are in unity, that we're in harmony, that we are together. That's extremely, extremely important in being effective and being fruitful, all right? And here's the thing. We don't want part of the church going off on the potluck side And the other part of the church going off on the mission side, all right? We want to be able to do mission and celebrate with potluck, okay? So we need to be driven not by potluck. I'm using that term for our kind of fellowship, okay? But we're not driven by potluck, but we're driven by mission. Mission is informed by the gospel. The gospel moves us. The gospel directs us. The gospel guides us into what we are doing. And in that, like Paul, we find a place to recognize it, honor it, give thanks for it, celebrate it, and have potluck. Okay? So we do not have fellowship, true fellowship, if we are not working together in the gospel. So I'm challenging you and I, as Life Church, corporately now, but you individually, as a part of that corporate body, that we see and begin to understand what God is calling us to do, and that is to be partakers in the gospel, all right? Not just that you receive the gospel, but that you become one who partakes in the spread of the gospel, okay? So, again, what is not fellowship? Chair sitting is not fellowship. Let's just get away from the potluck for a minute, okay? Let's just come in here on Sunday morning and talk about this. Chair sitting is not fellowship. Sunday attendance is not fellowship. Sermon listening is not fellowship. Being partners in the gospel together is fellowship. I encourage you, hopefully. I challenge you, hopefully. I exhort you, hopefully. I equip you, hopefully. But all of that is done that you can walk out of here because this is not your mission field, but that is when you walk out that front door. And so I challenge every one of us that we are living in that place of seeing ourselves now as partakers, all right, not just receivers. We are working together in the gospel, and God calls that our partnership, our fellowship. These Christians not only have been uh, financial supporters of Paul uh, as he's like going out to these other regions and these other places preaching the gospel, they, they, they financially supported him, but, it, but basically here we see that they are continuing to to do the work of the kingdom in the city of Philippi. And Paul says, this brings me great joy. I may get up any Sunday and say to you, hey, we, we're going we're to do an outreach to so-and-so. We're going to go to this country. We're going to go to this nation. We have other individuals who stand up from time to time and tell you, we're going to give money to this relief effort. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to put wells in, in uh, South Africa. We're going to do all of these different kinds of things. These are very missional and wonderful things. Folks, never are we intending that that become our ultimate focus. Our ultimate focus is right here in this neighborhood and this city because this is where God has planted us. Life Church lives and exists in the city of Sioux Falls, and there are lost people here. Never do we walk away from this city in order to reach the world. That is incongruent with the heart of Jesus. Jesus has called us to be partakers right here, and he finds great joy when we settle right here in our city, in our neighborhood, maybe even in our region. How, how will we as Life Church be able to function in partnership with one another right here where God has planted us? therefore we have to see here that that joy here for for paul is not paul pretending to have joy it's not it's not paul putting on a happy face in a bleak situation it's paul's joy as he sits in prison is coming from the reality that he sees and understands the partnership that he has with these people and you know what he's accepting where he is as the hand of God able to use him right there because of the partnership and the strength of these people who are standing with him in Philippi and they're praying for him and they're supporting him with resources and they're undergirding him and this joy keeps him on top even though he is in the most adverse of situations. All right? Okay. The gospel is the center of our relationships with each other. Should be. The gospel must be the center of all of our relationships, and this is especially true inside the church. Otherwise, we simply have a facade on us. We're a a people of a facade. We're just pretending to care about each other and not genuinely bound to one another. And I'm telling you, that is not where Jesus wants us to land. The the intimacy that we talk about, the closeness that we preach and, and proclaim and promote, is one that brings life. It is life-giving for the people of God. We are members working together within the context of a fellowship or a partnership to accomplish the will of the Lord. There ne- we need to see something happening outside of ourselves. Otherwise, we are potlucking. Okay? We need to see the gospel advancing. We need to see something going on around us. So, so what are we supposed to be doing together? What is, what is this fellowship? What is this partaking uh, of the gospel with one another in Christ Jesus? What does that look like? I'm going to give you a checklist, and I just want you to just listen for a minute. Everything I'm about to say to you, it's a list. I'm just going to read this list out to you, Uh, but everything on this list is right out of the New Testament. How should we be living in partnership with one another? Here are the ways that we should partner with one another. You ready? Just, Just listen to me. Encourage one another. Love one another. Bear with one another's burdens. Show hospitality to one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. Live in harmony with one another. Instruct one another. Have the same care for one another. Comfort one another. Pray for one another. Confess sins to one another. Agree with one another. Serve one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Sing to one another. Don't ask me to do that one. Submit to one another. Admonish one another. Seek to do good to one another. And show humility towards one another. No one should sit in this room and say, I don't have anything to do in the body of Christ. There is so much that we have responsible, a responsibility put upon us to do with and for one another. This is how we fellowship. This is how we partake together. This is how we build community together. And, and I'm going to say it because I believe it. If you are not in a life group, you should be in a life group because life groups will help you to do a lot of these things you can check tick off, off some of the list here in a life group. If you are not going to be in a life group, which I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be, given what God is telling us here from his word, then you need some place where you are fellowshipping with others and you have accountability among others and you're able to be doing something for the kingdom of God. Our joy, our thankfulness, in spite of circumstances, comes from this wonderful, wonderful working together here of these things. We have joy in participating in these things together. Joy together. If you isolate, if you separate, if you go alone, you will lose this joy that Paul is talking about here. Now consider this. The transitions Life Church is going through in this season will be smoother if they are done in partnerships. What God is asking of Life Church to do and to become, it will happen so much better if we are in partnership with one another. Let me bring you back uh, just a moment in memory to the Sunday of Generosity. We had 10 different ministries from around Sioux Falls line up here in the. Was it 10? 10, 10, 10 different ministries? Yes that we lined up here. None of them uh, have their their uh, birthing out of Life Church. There are all other ministries within the city that we co-labor with, all right? And we let them speak and say to you what they do and how they operate and how they could be prayed for, and then we gave each of them $1,000. We did that because we believe that's what God Wanted us to do. We were generous to the city. We were generous to other ministries in the city. That, my friend, is called partnership. That is saying we value you. We affirm your work. We are called to work with you. We invite you to let us work with you. Let us co labor with you. Let us come arm in arm with you there isn't a single person in this room who shouldn't or couldn't probably have an opportunity to work with some other organization outside of life church as well as inside of life church i'm i'm throwing a huge challenge out to you but i this is what our summer is going to be guys it's going to be about us becoming the church that god intended us to be and so i'm challenging us to look at these things all right uh We did that because we wanted a visual uh, for you to see how we might work in the city. But we also wanted to affirm these particular ministries who have a like DNA as us and have the same interest in partaking in the gospel together. We did all of this because we wanted to be a generous church. God has blessed us to be a blessing. God provided us the ability to buy another building and expand our ministry. Why would we not want to bless other people in the process? Let me bring you back to the series we did on ministry in the workplace. And, and this, is, this, I, I, this was brought home to me a week ago, uh, even more so. But there is so much power in, in, in your ability. To, when, you, when you get the, the, the grasp, when you get the revelation, the understanding of how many hours you spend on the job and your, on your work site as opposed to coming in here on a Sunday morning, or a Monday night, or a Tuesday night, or or a life group night, or or whatever. You spend so much more of your time interacting with other people in other spheres of influence around the city. Why would you not be a minister there? Why would you not present the gospel there? Why would you not bring the gospel in there? You say, well, I'm not allowed to. Well, ask God how to get around that, because you're not of this world. This is is not your home. See what God might show you. See what God might do. See who God might bring to you. I can't go to anybody, so I'm just not going to worry about it. I can't do anything. My hands are tied. My, My lips are taped. All right, fine. Let your lips be taped. Let your hands be tied. God brings somebody to everybody in this room in the next week so that they ask questions and you get the privilege of giving answers in the name of Jesus. Because this is what God wants for us. And this is what God wants from us our growth requires a transition folks <clears throat> from a small church size to a medium church size and that is a major transition for us but that is what's happening right now in life church we are growing to the point that we are no longer small church we are now becoming middle sized church we're already functioning in some ways like a middle sized church we've developed committees and we're giving a greater voice to more people inside the church than we ever have before because now we need to do that as we are growing. That is an important piece for us, all right? But I want you to understand something. As we are growing, l- l- let me bring you back to this decision to, to relocate. The decision to relocate was one where we can expand facilities so that we can grow more. Now, th- sort of the caveat on that was that we don't want to go to two services, but I think that's secondary, The reality is if we really grow there really fast we're going to two services because we won't have anything else to do until we can build or else all of us are going to give a lot of money really fast so we can build right away but if we're going to grow if we're growing if that's if that's what we're about here is is expanding the kingdom of god which i believe that we are then we're going to have to be willing to live in this medium church size And that requires different kinds of structure, and that requires different kinds of pastoral ministry, and and lots of things, okay? Those are all transitions for us. But here's the thing. We have to grow out of a commitment to partnership in the gospel, not a misunderstood view of fellowship. It is absolutely essential that we are growing because we understand the partnership that we have in the gospel. Because, you know, honestly, we don't need more people just to eat food or just to have coffee. That's actually a lot more work. But what is what is God calling us to? God is calling us to the gospel. And and this church has to be driven by the gospel and nothing else. And I love your Fellowship. I am a part of your fellowship. We are in fellowship together. We are partakers together of what God is doing uh, in and through Life Church and in our neighborhood and, and beyond. But the reality is that all of that must be motivated out of this sense of the gospel is the driving force behind all that we are doing. And so our decisions are made based on the gospel. Second, Paul in verse 6, says he is thankful for, really, their sanctification. I love this verse. He says, and I am sure of this. This is the banner verse. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Wow. Listen to what Paul is, is saying to them. He is praising them. He's taking joy in them for their partnership in the gospel. And then he continues on and he expresses his confidence that I know what's going to happen. God is going to finish this work. He's in prison. He's bound up. And his confidence is that God will finish this good work. Folks, we cannot be apprehensive about what God is doing. We cannot be nervous about what God is doing in our day, in in our lives. We've got to be open to what God might want to do in you, and that means bringing change in your life. God is not simply transitioning Life Church and bringing change in the corporate body of Life Church and the structure here, but God's intent is to change you. God's intent is to bring Personal levels of sanctification to all of us. You you would not be in this partnership in the gospel and doing these good works if God was not working in your life. This is the point that, that, that Paul is making. God has begun something, God is at work. There is movement, all right? Salvation is going forward, your salvation is going forward. And God is bringing works through your life and working in you. And we'll discuss some of this further as we get along in the book of Philippians. But I want you to understand something here. He is talking about you growing, you changing, you transforming. And this teaches us that that we are continually presenting ourselves to the Lord And we are continually being transformed by His grace that is revealed in us through His Word. And if that is the case, then here's the big question. Are we allowing God to change our lives? Or are we resisting the transformation that He wants to work through the Word of the Lord? Where are you? What is is going on for you? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Uh, great great passage talking about being dead to sin alive to god he asks this question he says what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound i mean he's just said where sin abounds grace abounds all the more so for some people this is how they start to sort of think this out in some kind of skewed logic all right but he says by no means exclamation point <laughs> How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are baptized into Christ Jesus, and we are partakers in Christ Jesus of this life together. But this happens as we are growing, as we are being transformed, as we are being sanctified through the process of maturing. Let me take you a little further there. Romans 12:2 says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." The mark of a growing and maturing and transformational Christian is that you begin to discern what is good and right and perfect. And and the reason for that is that if we are in a mode of discerning good and discerning right and discerning perfect, that means that we are not continually falling into bad, imperfect, and wrong. So your life should be marked by a progression of sanctification. I'm not advocating it all happens overnight but I'm telling you, there better be marks of sanctification in us. If we are going to transition to a greater service for God in this city and beyond, it is going to require you and I to be more and more sanctified. We transition out of disobedience into obedience. Instead of sin overtaking us, we overtake sin. We grow out of ignorance and into wisdom. Wisdom. And so I want to challenge you and I that we are living lives that are set apart. They are sanctified, if you will, before God. If you are not living sanctified lives, if you're not living set apart lives, you're going to flounder in a lot of different facets of life. This is why marriages get all screwed up. This is is why people get hooked on pornography and and uh, get addicted to gambling and things like this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to throw a, a, a sort of a slapstick warning out here to you. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I don't believe that you are on the, the the abyss here or the the edge of the abyss. All right? I don't feel like you're all about to fall over. This is not some kind of dramatic warning. Oh my God! You're all going to be you know destroyed that's not what i'm saying here i'm saying god has moved us god is at work god began a good work and god has moved us now to the place where he is actually extending our neighborhood our neighborhood is getting bigger which in my opinion my estimation is because we have been faithful where we have been all these years And now God has heard the cry of our heart, and God has expanded a little further our neighborhood and given us a little bit more opportunity, a little bit more geography to work with. And so we need to be responsible to that. This is a message about blessing. This is a message about you and I being at the place where God is really ready to use us and we can have a greater impact than we have ever had before. We can grow the way we need to grow and we can transition into this medium sized church and do the work of God and be partakers with Jesus Christ in the gospel. And so we rejoice, we take joy in this, but to do that effectively is going to require you and I to live a life of sanctification and so we are partakers in the gospel, and we are partakers of sanctification, our growth spiritually. According to verse six, what he began, he will bring to completion. And this is this is a powerful, powerful, like um, image for you and I to look at. Am. Am I a person who is spiritually growing? I mean, look at yourself. Try to, try to picture yourself and see, am I a person who is growing? Or have I grown stagnant? Am I like a, a dirty pond that there's no life in it anymore? The last thing I want to bring to you this morning is that Paul was very thankful. He was thankful um, that they were partakers in the gospel. He was thankful for the sanctification of God and the work that God is doing in their lives, but he's also thankful that they are partners in grace. Verse 7, that they are partners in grace. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation Of the gospel. He is so excited that he can identify with these people. He is so excited that they can partake with him. And this is amazing to me. Verse verse 8 is where Paul then proclaims how he yearns for them, how he longs for their affection in Christ Jesus. He wants to be with them, he wants to enjoy them. And this is what should join us together the gospel. The work of the gospel should join us together and it should cause us to, to be affectionate to one another. The scriptures teach us to love one another with a brotherly love, if you will, in Romans twelve ten. The apostle John wrote that, there, that we were to lay down our lives for one another in 1 John 3, 16. We're to give our possessions to each other as any have need in 1 John 3, 17. How will this love come about? How can we have this level of affection of Christ Jesus towards one another? It will not be sitting in church chairs. It won't be because you came in here for an hour and a half. We will have this affection for one another when we are partakers and workers in the gospel who are continually being sanctified together and being perfected in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we focus our attention on the gospel and not on ourselves, when we do the work that God has given us to do, allowing our hearts to continue to be transformed by grace through the word, we're going to develop this kind of love for one another. And we got to look at each other as partakers of grace. When we are partners in the gospel We've got to see each other as, as partners. We've got to see each other as partakers of grace. We've got to see each other as God is working to transform us into his image. Let me say this. When we come, when we come to the finish line of this first message here that hopefully is going to impact us today as we close here, um, I, I believe that, that, that God is really wanting to shift us right now i believe that today there's there god wants to make a shift for life church and and all our transitions in this life should be working towards this kind of transformation more and more in that we are in the image of jesus christ so everything you do every decision you make should be more and more like jesus i'm getting more and more like jesus let me let me verify that first uh excuse me second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says and we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the lord we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That image is Christ. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is at work in this church, you are going to be more like Jesus all the time. You will will become conformed to His image. All right, so let me bring this down to a conclusion this morning and, 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 and try to help us make that shift spiritually for ourselves today all right we're called to be partners in the gospel god has called us to do far more than simply just sit in church either on sunday or any other time all right here's what i think needs to be happening in your life these are some of the measurements if you will okay immature starts to transition to mature receiver before becomes giver now critic transforms into encourager Compassion replaces judgments. Healing cures dis-ease. And life-giving overcomes a dead religion. Fellowship is not enjoying each other over a cup of coffee, though we do that often, but it is growing together as we work together in the gospel. Now, let me ask you something. What, what in your life marks you as one who is carrying the gospel? What are you doing that would validate you as one who carries the gospel? What unites us as Christians? It's not our common interests like politics or sports or hobbies or fashion or culture or any of these things. It is the gospel that glues us together. In spite of likes or differences, we love each other and we sacrifice for each other Because we are bound together by the gospel and the work in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those are all works that are progressive as we go along. Let me tell you something as we're closing here. I know myself somewhat. I don't know myself real great, but I know myself somewhat. And I know myself enough to tell you this. I'm not not the best person to work with. And if David could choose anyone in the world to work with, he probably wouldn't choose me. All right, now he won't tell you that, and he better not. We want some good job security here as we're closing, all right? But here's what I want you to understand. There is something that over the years has knit the two of us together, and we feel very connected to one another, and that is the gospel. There is nothing I appreciate more than his passion for the gospel. There's nothing I appreciate more than when I'm sort of moving a little bit left or right where he says, well, is this, is this going to help us to fulfill the mandate? Is this going to move us in the mission? Is this going to bring us further into the gospel? Things like that. I love it when those are the kind of questions that are going around. But how often do we ask that kind of stuff in day-to-day life? How much of your decision-making is driven by the gospel. How many of your choices in a given day are brought forth from the advancement of the gospel? Think about that. We are in transition. You are in a great deal of transition in your life, possibly. Let me tell you what the greatest transition in the world is. It is when you move from outside to inside. It's when you were lost in sin, but now you're found in Jesus. It's when you realize that you can't take care of what your greatest need is, but God has already taken care of it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And today, the greatest transition you could possibly make is to move from outside of God to inside Christ. And so if that's where you are, that's the invitation to come. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and receive forgiveness. Come and have a fresh start. Come and experience what this gospel is all about, the forgiveness of sin and you becoming a child of God and Him beginning this work, this progress of sanctifying you and transforming you and this joy that overrides adversities and difficult circumstances and all these kinds of things. That's coming in, and I invite you to come in today. But I'm going to make a second invitation here to you this morning. And that is this. If you are a person who is in transition, if there is some aspect of your life that is changing dramatically, or you are fearful of a change that is impending or in front of you, or there is something that you have been resisting that God wants to change in your life, if you are in some place of transition like that today, and it is affecting you in in big and, and dramatic and powerful ways, I want you to answer the invitation as well. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for all of you. But those of you, I am, I am, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step up here for a second, all right? Because This is what I want to do. I want to be the first. I want to tell you that where we are going as a church is a brand new place for me. (laughs) I've always enjoyed pastoring small churches. I've always just sort of accepted that, well, we'll grow a little bit and then there'll be a falling away and then we'll grow a little more and there'll be a falling away. That's what happens in churches. People like each other, then they don't like each other. Then they go away and then they come back. This is the way it happens. And I'm just one of those guys who's just a small church pastor. And that's not a complaint, that's a reality. And you know what? I've gotten very accustomed to that. And I've enjoyed being a small church pastor. But Life Church is becoming a mid sized church. And it's scaring the heebie jeebies out of me in some ways. But in other ways, it's exciting to me to no end. And you know what? We're not in a prison cell. So don't get locked up here. You're free. And your freedom is in Christ in this gospel. Let's change. Let's make those transitions and let's do them well. Because at the end of it all, I want to hear the Lord. Not only from my own life, but I hope I can be there when you see him face to face. And I want to hear him say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. If you are in transition today and you need a spiritual shift and you're committed to letting God do that through Life Church and through what is happening here, I want you to stand and come and stand with me here in this altar and I want to pray for you. Whoever you are, if you want to come and join me, let's do it quickly. Come now. I want to read one passage of Scripture from today's text. And then I want to pray it into our hearts as we close today. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, in the name of your Son, release in us the courage and the level of faith that is necessary to go through these transitions well, that we may be a people Who are united together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now. That the spirit of sanctification would work from deep within your people's hearts and minds. And we would be a people who are transformed as our minds are renewed in Christ Jesus alone. And that we will be transformed from glory unto glory. From revelation unto revelation. From faith unto faith. That God, you may have your perfect work in each of us. And I pray God that such love would grow in the people of this church one for another. That we would have such brotherly love and such sisterly love. Towards each other, that we will sacrifice and lay down our own lives for one another, just as you, Jesus, laid your life down for us. And that today would be a presentation of our bodies as living sacrifices. And then, God, I pray that you would transform us, that your love would flow out from us, and we would love lost people. As you love them, Jesus. And that we as Life Church would be a church of the gospel of Jesus Christ, carrying the name of Jesus and the message of salvation from this room into this neighborhood, throughout this city, beyond this region, throughout this nation, and even to the uttermost parts of the world That you might have glory and honor and praise and power and dominion in all things, at all times, in all ways. So be it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, look at somebody and say, make the shift. (laughs) Woo! All right, you are dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day.